Final hour of Outkick 360 means it's time for the Tennessee Power Hour. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Like, share, and tweet the show at Outkick 360 on YouTube, on Facebook Live. And after the show, you can podcast the show wherever you download your podcast. Just search out Outkick and Outkick 360. And we've pinned it everywhere. We'll post it again today. We now have a neat little link file where you can click on that. And you can go and get links to everywhere that you can hear and watch us. Spotify, iTunes, Audible, everywhere you can find us. Uh, and also watch us live. We'll put that link out there for you where you can find us and consume our product however you want to consume it. The biggest storyline across the state over the weekend uh, reported by Brett McMurphy that Eddie George is the new head coach at Tennessee State, first time head coach, and he will reportedly be named the next head coach at TSU on Tuesday. The university sending out a release today confirming that Rod Reed's contract will not be renewed. They finished their spring season uh, across the OVC yesterday against SEMO. Eddie George, the next head coach for the TSU Tigers. This is out of left field. Stunning. Um, Eddie George, who we know well, um, is a very worldly guy with a lot, a lot, a lot of interests that span all over the place, right? He's got uh, his interview series that you're involved with. Um, he's got uh, landscape architecture. Uh, architecture. He's... Uh, that's a broadcasting. He he's. Uh, I didn't he, know about the landscape architecture. This is news to me. Yeah, he's got. Uh, he travels a lot. He's, he's involved in a lot of different venture capital. Well, let's things. just let's just put it this way. He he is a renaissance man. Yes. EddieGeorge.com is where you can go and you can see everything he's involved with, um, from Broadway to broadcast. And so this takes him out of a lot of those things. He certainly, City to Memphis. certainly can still be involved in those things, but if he's going to be successful at this, and the guy is a success at everything he's been involved in, he's going to be dedicating himself to this. And dedicating himself to this means sacrificing a lot of that. That's where my surprise is that he's choosing to take himself out of a lot of things that he's been interested in and to pour himself into this job when, as well as we know him, he's never really expressed an interest in being a coach. I think this came, we mentioned it came out of left field for us. I, I'm, I think it did for him as well. Um, I, I don't think that just because this was reported on Saturday that this is something that, that you know, he was, that he discussed last week. Sure. I, everything he does is well thought out and planned. Uh, and he turned he turns down a lot more than what he accepts uh, on things that are, are opportunities for him. I, I I can tell you he is energized by this. Um, he spent quite a while thinking about the the path that he wanted to go down in regards to this. Um, and look, I, everything he does is with, with Eddie is consistent. You know he, he's Measure. he's all in with whatever he's focused on and he's he's not doing this without going all in he's not doing this with one foot in one foot out while he's working on other things he is 
he is focused on head coach Eddie George now, which is really intriguing. So, Hutton, I, I heard you say this on your News Channel 5 hit last night, that Eddie is comfortable with the uncomfortable. That was a good way Very of putting it. Very much so. It. And to me, when I saw this story, my first thought was, Eddie George is a winner. He's excelled in pretty much everything he's done. And this is just Eddie George taking on another challenge and not something that he was seeking out. He was offered a challenge. He thought long and hard about it. And he said, I'll accept this challenge. Now, the flip side is, and look, I can understand people come back and say he's never coached. We've had a lot of the same things about Deion Sanders. I think Eddie George is smarter than Deion Sanders, personally. And I think he'll probably do a better job because he's just a smarter person than Deion. But that was the knock, right? It hasn't de- designed a game plan, hasn't hired a staff, hasn't done this and that, d- lacks the experience. And I-, I get all that. But I also think it's a little bit naive to think that when you make this move and you hire Eddie George at TSU, you are announcing that you are competing in a loaded market space in the city of Nashville and with everything else going on. This is a hire. I'm not saying they're hiring him to be a mascot, but – in a way, you're hiring Eddie George to help be a mascot for the program. Sell tickets, get donors involved, bring in recruits. He's a big name. He's a pulse. He's going to help you sell that program, and not just TSU football, but Tennessee State University. So he's certainly going to help in that regard. And I also think it's naive to think that Eddie George is going to be there 80 hours a week devising an offensive game plan. I think Eddie George is going to hire good people around him, and there's going to be more of the football coaches around him they are going to do a lot of that while Eddie George is the CEO of TSU football. The name's connected right out of the gate. Jeff Fisher in an advisory capacity, which Brandon Fisher, his son, who worked with him. I don't know if he's a good coach or not. You know how I feel about nepotism. I know he's, he's a better Auburn. coach. A better coach he's an than, analyst at Auburn. than um, Greg Williams' son was. Um, but certainly equipped to, to coach at this level. You, Jackson, conceivably, as, a, as an offensive coach, look, you get a, a guy with you, Jackson's credentials, coaching kids at that le- this level. Let's give credit. This is all through footballscoop.com. Yes. You, yeah. Jackson, uh, coaching at this level would be great. I mean, a kid would love to come play for a guy with that level of NFL experience. And you, Jackson, don't just think of his failures with the Browns as a head coach. You, Jackson, was a, a very good, uh, successful offensive coordinator for a time before that. Um, you know, Here's the th- other thing I think, Chad, uh, along the lines of what you're saying. There, there's a huge PR boost early, right? The early attention here as Eddie's introduced and does the media rounds and all of that at the beginning is going to be terrific for TSU. After that initial crest, though, it's going to come a time where these people have to go back into relative obscurity and do the work uh, quietly. Now, Eddie George recruiting a kid? I mean, Eddie George can, you know, win people over and groom young men. I have no doubt about that as football player and as people. And if I'm a parent being uh, having him in my living room, he's going to win a lot at that. Um, but this is a long, a long play, not a not a short play. I, I, it's everything he does is both surprising and impressive. And, and I mentioned last night on TV, and Chad just mentioned it, he is comfortable with, with the uncomfortable because he is, he's okay with the uncomfortable setting and trying something new. 
uh, that he's passionate about. Uh, a, a lot of us, I'll raise my hand, uh, I love watching movies. I would never try to act for fear of ridicule. Um, and, and it's the fear that he's not afraid of. He's not afraid of fear. That's why uh, he has so much success outside of football. He will put himself out there in uncomfortable situations where he's a first-time head coach with all eyeballs on him with a chance to go out and succeed. And the other thing about Eddie is he knows what he doesn't know. And that is cliche to say because we, it's put out there a lot nowadays. But he is so well-connected with past head coaches coordinators, assistant coaches that are right here in Nashville that he will surround himself with where he will have the opportunity to turn and lean on certain people. It's already been reported that Jeff Fisher can come on as an, as an advisor to him. That's invaluable. And help him get a That's, staff together. Uh, which is absolutely. And, and the inner workings of all of that. But also consider there's going to be a lot of comparisons to Dion, and, and I get it. They're going to play, by the way, in week two in Memphis in the Southern Heritage Classic. Um, A game that doesn't get attention that now will get massive attention. Well, it's always well attended. Now it's going to get national exposure. Right. Well, and you mentioned Dion, and you, you said it, Hutton, knows what he doesn't know. That is not something I would use to describe well, Dion. Oh, Dion has no idea what he doesn't but, know. It, but from the promotional aspect, I, I immediately thought of Dion Sanders. Uh, yeah. Because he's done, a, thing about he's done him, a great job. Happen, he's probably. done a great job at Jackson State. Where I mean, they're uh, they're on ESPN every single week. ESPN carries Deion Sanders football games for a reason. Um, you're going to get that exposure from a. We're going to see the national exposure that you're mentioning. All attention is going to be on TSU and Eddie. Um, but from a local angle. Think about Eddie George, Jeff Fisher, Hugh Jackson, Brandon Fish, and, and everyone else that will be attached to the TSU program now, that from a Middle Tennessee, Nashville perspective, where you, you take the lens and you zoom out a bit, other than you know the SEC game of the week, what game are you likely to go watch? Oh, yeah, and think of the newscasts. I mean, this is now on their menu for the weekend. Uh, and that two minutes or three minutes that they get on a Saturday night uh, sportscast, yeah. TSU's in that now. It wasn't in it before. The, to, to me, there's a there's a lot of room for to measure success with what he's about to take on. Yes. Now, I don't, I don't, I, I, I've never heard not, him talk about. You know what? I really want to be a head coach. I've never had that conversation with him, and he and I are, are good friends. But I, I do know that he loves challenges, loves it, and he's passionate about attacking things like that, um, and, and mentoring. That's the other aspect of this. Uh, I, I am thrilled that TSU went in this direction if they were going to make a change after the spring, which they've done. And we have the opportunity now to give a little lifeblood, give a pulse to a program locally that, that honestly has a lot of history behind it that we haven't talked about in years. Well, and everyone's going to come back and say, well, you know, the wins and losses what what matters, and that'll and speak for true. itself. It is, but not to the biggest extent at TSU right now. If Eddie George is just okay Be at TSU, it, the the benefit you get monetarily and with exposure with Eddie George as your coach helps that program tremendously. So this isn't like an SEC coach being hired where they win the press conference and then everyone immediately comes back and says, well, they've got to win on the field or they're going to be out in two or three years, right? right? That's not the same sense with this. Now, if they crater and don't win at all, then it's going to be a problem quickly. But 
It's not like Eddie George has to get there and set the world on fire in the OVC and win every game because right. that's what people are expecting. What people are expecting is for Eddie things that he'll do. Sell the program, give it a higher profile, Recruit. sell tickets, bring in more sponsor, uh, bring in more uh, sponsorship dollars and donor dollars. Yes. Sell yourself to recruits, which he'll do. And honestly, guys, I see this as I don't want to make this sound like I'm saying Eddie George is taking this and he doesn't really care about the football side of it. But the reason you bring in Eddie George isn't completely because of the football side of it. There is a promotional benefit to this. Sure. Eddie George is taking this job, and there's a lot of high-profile coaches and names that will come along with him. Peerless Price took a job right before the spring season with Mickey Allen, his former teammate at Tennessee. Peerless Price is a guy with a huge name in this state. That'll probably stay on the Eddie George staff. That makes a lot of sense. You're giving a lot of coaches a, a chance. If it's Brandon Fisher, if Brandon Fisher and Jeff Fisher come in and help Eddie George, gee, is there a chance that Brandon Fisher now gets a shot at a good coaching position again and defensive coordinator? And if things go well and Eddie George is done with this challenge in four years, that he can hand the job off to Brandon Fisher? Maybe. But that's my point. These are just some of the opportunities that Eddie George can help generate with this program. Three other points I want to make here. Rod Reed, I don't know much about him. Look, the timing of stuff like this never goes great. The story comes out before his last game. Uh, understanding, I guess, Hutton, you told me, he, he knew about it, so he's able to talk to his team. But he's still putting He un- spoke to his team Saturday night. But he's still putting an uncomfortable press conference setting with the media. So that's unfortunate. Yes. Here's one thing that won't happen with Eddie George. Uh, that happens with Deion Sanders, the Sanders, this sideshow garbage where Deion Sanders does or doesn't get his stuff stolen from his locker. Yeah. And there's all this stuff that right. Deion always has. Eddie George is a smart, controlled guy that doesn't always come with this sideshow drama nonsense. That's not going to happen at TSU the way it's happened already with Deion Sanders. And then I want to ask you more the the one thing I immediately thought, not that Eddie George needs, you know, to operate in an office with a button with an automatic door like Nick Saban and, and the most plush office chairs in the world and everything, but I think of TSU as, as so, uh, you know, from my experience over there, it's, it's the facilities are not Oh, Hell Stadium's good. terrible. Yeah. And, uh, but I there's, mean, the, there's the, the money. The hole is not good. It's there's the money hole. coming. Well, there's there's discussion of the land grant money where TSU is due somewhere between like 200 and 544 million dollars based on back pay from the state of Tennessee. When TSU was founded, the federal government placed the the college uh, TSU and the University of Tennessee on a land grant program. And according to News Channel 5, that has not been paid in years where the federal government would give money to the state, to the, the, the institutions. The state would then match those dollars. Those, those matched dollars have not been, quote unquote, matched up to $544 million to the university. Not to the football program. We're not talking a $300 million investment the way Vanderbilt made two weeks ago. But that, when, when you see a half a billion dollars that's sitting out there, you raise an eyebrow to that too, with the connection of the football program and everything else that they're that they're trying to revamp. Um, that could go a long way 
for that type of program at that level. And what's this say about Mickey Allen's mindset? Big. He's thinking big. I mean, that was an interesting hire when they made it. And uh, we had Mickey Allen on our old show the, yeah. in shutdown and lockdown via Zoom when he took the job. And a very impressive guy. Um, going back to Rod Reed, you know, it, it's very unfortunate, and I do hate it for his side of this. And keep this in mind with Rod Reed. He played football at TSU. Mm-hmm. He's been a coach there since 2003. I mean, that's almost 20 years he's been coaching as head coach since 2009. Yep, got the job 2009. First year was 2010 as a head coach. So double digit seasons as head coach, uh, 54 and 53 overall, a game over 500 in his time there. But that does suck for a TSU lifer. Yeah, he, played he there, is a he's tiger. An alumni. He is a TSU Tiger through and through. There's going to be some hurt feelings about the timing of this and everything that was going on behind his back, I'm sure. I could also see Rod Reed continuing to support this program because this is his program at the end of the day. So that part of it does is bad. But not just the land-grant money coming in Hutton. Eddie George is going to generate money for TSU on top of that. Just with Eddie George being Eddie George, there's going to be more money coming into TSU. And there will be Titans fans who, like you indicated, are going to opening day. Uh, well, just out of the curiosity, seeing yeah. what he looks like in a headset on the sideline. Well, you, you have a nice day on, on a, a beautiful Saturday afternoon, and you just want to go check out a game. I'm not. I mean, consider my my example is not. Let's go to Vanderbilt and watch LSU. You know, number one ranked LSU is coming to town. You're likely going to watch Joe Burrow. But if you have a tri- if you're going to a game, and you want MTSU or TSU right now, which one are you going to? You're going to go check out Eddie George. You're going to go watch that game. Yeah. That's just my my honest assessment of year one. Uh, their first game is September 18th at home, I'm saying. First game at home yeah. is September 18th against Kentucky State, maybe. Uh, they play two games on the road. They're opening up the Hall of Fame Classic against Grambling State for the first time in years. They're going Big. to play Grambling Big. in Canton. And then they, they go to Memphis for the Southern Heritage Classic against Deion Sanders and Jackson State. And then they, they have their opening game. They don't they, they play uh, a schedule. It's a big three-pack right there. It, it, yeah, and then they end the season. The, their final game is against Mississippi State. But the rest of their schedule, when you start looking up and down and you just start to size up you know, school for school, their schedule makes sense on paper. And you can take it to whatever level you like on the tiers. You know, you're yeah. saying if you're looking for a game, you go to that game. In my, I'm just talking about my, buzz. Right. But in my instance, I, I wouldn't necessarily go to the game. But am I going to look for a score on TSU for the first time that I could ever think of sure. on that opening day and care what the result is? Yeah. yeah. Have uh, I ever looked before? No. And it's not. Frank, uh, frankly, I, no. I think something else that, you know, that Deion Sanders sees and Eddie George sees and a lot of other people see these historically black colleges and universities are going to be involved with better and better prospects. We've seen it in basketball. Howard University got a five-star player because there are players now deciding, let's let's counterbalance a little bit. Let's go back to these schools that were created in times of segregation that have been left behind. Now, once integration happened, once all the Southern schools started, North Carolina and Tennessee and LSU started allowing black athletes to come in, well, what happened? Grambling as a power went away. Jackson State as a power went away. All these North Carolina A&T, all these schools go away because everybody goes there. Now you're seeing st- not, not a majority, not all of them, Some. but Jackson State got a four-star prospect in football to go play for Deion Sanders. 
do I see some, some uh, a couple players in Metro that, that play seven-on-seven seven together that are four-star players deciding, I want to be Eddie George's first commitment at TSU and go play there? Yes. I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see a world where Tennessee and TSU might be locked in a recruiting battle. Not all the time. Again, not a majority of the for time. For a kid. But for a kid or two. And, and, he, and Eddie George help, helps you get to that. Just like Deion Sanders, because of his name, helps you get there at Jackson State. And we've seen it more in basketball than in football so far. You're going to see some of this start to happen. And then when you start to get that, that level of player, interest rises. Will TSU have the interest level of the University of Tennessee in the state? Never. It's not going to happen. I don't see a universe where Eddie George or anyone else makes that happen. But can you rise to the point where you are a player in the mid-state and not just a player in the, the eyes of fans, but a player in the eyes of prospects? Yes. I think TSU can become that with Eddie George. And he can sell a resurgent, historically black university. Uh, he can sell an opportunity in Nashville that's different than any opportunity there's been in Nashville. He certainly has Nashville, which is a hell of a selling point. Yeah, there's well, a lot what, of interesting things here. What caught me off guard, though, and, and I know same with you guys, with, and we'll go back, we'll just continue with the comparison of Dion. With Dion, there was a Penny Hardaway type connection to the game of coaching, where you had that flag football style, he's coaching the middle school tackle team. He had his you know, He's funding school. all these different things, uh, and, and you see him on the sideline, like he's coaching the Pro Bowl. Right. right? Uh, we didn't see Eddie do that. We saw, saw, Eddie, we on saw Eddie on Broadway. Yeah. yeah. But, so, so the challenge doesn't surprise me, right? That The fact that he's wanting to try something new and something that, that's outside the box for what you have pinned in for what type of business he's related to. That, that's not surprising. The, the, the connection to coaching is surprising because we haven't seen the breadcrumbs laid out to where you have a first-time head coach that's given an opportunity like this. And I, I think you know, when we have the opportunity to chat with him, uh, and, and he, he'll be asked about this at his opening press conference, how this came about, I'm sure he, he, at first he's just as surprised. But he's also not just immediately turning down an opportunity that he, for an opportunity to get passionate about something. And that says something about Mickey Allen. And he's all in. That he was able to get past a, a, an immediate no. You know what I mean? But I think like, yeah, yeah, no, that's not in the realm it's, of possibility. It's, it's, great. For me. it's a great coup for I, I think I think though whenever whenever we hear from him, when fans hear from him and you wonder and, and Chad's not wrong with the figurehead mentality of this, the, the CEO mentality, but he is not approaching this as, you know what, I am I'm overseeing as a figurehead, the program. Well, you got to put in the work. And and I'm the general manager. It's not that. He's not going to be a mascot. No. For TSU. He's, he's going to be involved in coaching and game playing and everything else. But I think there's a way you can delegate oh. with guys who have done it. And he will do that. And, and, and he will do that. And you do more of that if you're Eddie George, is my and, point. And before, you have to. But Josh Heupel and Clark Lee are two good counterpoints, right? Okay. Josh Heupel comes into Tennessee – and what, is ten- what do Tennessee fans expect of him? You're going to run the offense. You're going to run the offense. You've been an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. You've been an offensive coordinator at Missouri. You're the head coach at Central Florida right. and offensive coordinator. We're hiring you to run the day-to-day operation of the offense and be a head coach. Clark Lee, same with defense at Vandy. You've run the defense at Notre Dame. Come bring that defense here. You hire Eddie George. You're not saying, okay, Eddie, now you're also the offensive coordinator and you're going to run the day-to-day. You're hiring Eddie George – because he can attract quality coaches around him with experience, and you let those coaches coach. 
maybe more so than other head coaches, would let those coaches coach. And you'd say, hey, I, I, you probably think there'd be some good running backs. <laughs> you know, yeah. That he'd have a, a sure. real eye for running backs that would be able to really chime in with the Well, let's give an example of that. Scheme. The, in going back to the recruiting aspect, uh, Devin Starling, the running back from Cane Ridge, yeah. who were in the Tennessee Power Hour, he's a finalist for Mr. Football two years ago. He's the running back at TSU. Um, those are the types of names and the quality of player that we're going to see TSU involved with now. More, yeah. more and more. And I, I just, now you're opening yourself. MTSU is a good example. Also, a kid that and they would don't just recruit the play, state that well. Well, a kid that would just want to play FBS level may say, I'll go to MTSU if they're in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. And, and MTSU is doing more work in Georgia than in Tennessee. Yep. But if there's a tie now between MTSU and TSU, Eddie George can help put you over the yeah, top. Yeah, this isn't great for your alma mater for the moment. Well, they, things weren't looking great in recruiting to begin with locally. I like, I, I like the marketing aspect of what, what TSU's trying to do. And look, this is perfect. Like For all the, the nepotism comments on Jeff Fisher and Brandon Fisher, this is a perfect gig for Brandon Fisher. Yeah, this is the right level. It's not like he's been elevated at Auburn to be the coordinator. Uh, yeah. it, this, is, this is the perfect level if you want a guy that's going to have to work his way up, TSU is the great, that, that's the great entirely. stepping stone yeah. there. If he had resurfaced as a secondary coach with an NFL team, then the nepotism conversation, well, somebody's doing Jeff a favor here, conceivably. And look, this it, is, is earning your stripes. And again. this is great for, for Eddie to lean on Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher was trying to put his name in the Montana State gig a couple months ago. Like, so if he's wanting to get involved in coaching at any level, you better believe I'm picking up the phone if he's right here in my own backyard and say, "Hey, you want to?" And he's my and he friend. Gets to, he gets you want to consult? Let's let's get together. He gets to help a friend. Sure. And he gets his name back in that. And and you're right for Brandon Fisher. I mean, you're not going from a defensive quality control assistant or analyst to defensive coordinator in the SEC, but you can go from defensive coordinator at TSU to defensive coordinator at a Power Five school if or you do well. Or a good position yeah. coach job. I'm I'm excited about it. Like I. Um, it, it's Good it's going to be a lot of work. Like uh, this is not going to be easy. Um, but he's also not afraid of criticism, and th that's what I respect about Eddie. So I I can't wait to see the full coaching staff with some of the names that have been tied because the the, the names that you're starting to hear have connections to other coaches, and Eddie has quite a long list or a Rolodex, a, a phone list of people he can lean on to. Um, and my guess is his phone has been ringing off the hook over the last 48 hours when news got out that he was putting the staff together in April as the TSU spring season ends. Well, I mean, they're just uh, you know, just someone that comes to mind that we're associated with also that's worked with younger players, Keith Bullock. You know, if you're Keith Bullock, do you pick up the phone and call Eddie George? That's just one example of someone who may want to get involved in coaching, but the star power is unlimited sure. with Eddie George. That's not going to be the only person, and I'm not saying Keith's going to do that, but you think about all the players he's been around that could call Eddie George and say, hey, I'm interested in doing this thing with you. You know, and how, how here's another interesting thing. Like, he's probably got some level of access to Keith Bullock. You know, but how unconventional can you be? Keith Bullock, we know, is running a successful coffee shop and is part of a, you know, an investor in that coffee chain, uh, you know. So if he says, hey, I'd like to be involved with linebackers, but I'm not going to be your linebacker coach, you know, how does Eddie 
manipulate that where he can get something out of Keith Bullock but not have a, a full-time linebacker coach in Keith well, Bullock. Well, there are also, NCAA, can you there are also NCAA rules As to how much on the amount of do. coaches you can have and, right. and on-field coaching, right? Like you can invite Keith Bullock and others to come out and watch practice and be on the sideline. Advise some things. Keith Bullock, if someone wanted to report them, Keith Bullock can't go out there and start coaching linebackers just because he's out there supporting his buddy in practice. Right. So there are things that he has to look. And this is part of the challenge that we've talked about. How do you piece all this together? you got to know that. I mean, Eddie George now has to go and pass an exam given by the NCAA that shows he knows the rule book. So he's going to have to learn. And, and this is nothing that he's not capable of doing. Right. He Talented, can learn that guy, rule book. He'll learn it. I, prime, I'm not sure. You know. Who knows? Does he know that rule book? He passed the test. Yeah, Exactly. Um, he, he knows it well how's enough. His, how's to, his retention? He knows it well enough to to pass the test and win half of his games this year. I mean, they're they're at least getting some results over the the overall football product. And Still again, they, we get to see that out. we get to see that head coach head to head matchup coming up second week of September um, in Memphis for the Southern Heritage Classic. A lot to get to. You can react. Give us your thoughts on what you thought when you saw the shocking news that TSU is going to hire Eddie George as the next head coach. We anticipate that announcement being official uh, tomorrow with the, the word getting out today through the university. It was out of the weekend, but through the university uh, officially acknowledging that Rod Reed will not be retained on the contract after the spring season for the OVC ended yesterday. Stay tuned. More coming on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour. We are a little over two weeks away from the NFL draft and the NFL offseason for teams officially underway across the board for all 32 a week from today. On April the 19th is when things can get started. The players and, the, of course, the league, expanding to 17 games and we will uh, eventually see more expansion with all of this that, that they've left the door open for talks with the CBA to start up after year six of the agreement. It's a 10 year agreement, but after year six, we'll see talk more talk and more money distributed in my guess for an 18th game. Yeah, I- exactly. Uh, but a- as we get to the off season, what I think the players have on their side through 2020 and the virtual offseason, they have the stats to back up that they don't necessarily need to show up for in-person OTAs in many camps for them to have success on the field. You can see the competitiveness, 11-point margin of victory last year. That's the smallest since 2006. And we love that. 70% of the games were within a score in the fourth quarter. That's the second most in NFL history for a season. 43 games saw a comeback from 10 points down to then come back and win. We'll get to the medicals in a moment, but as we continue, the the parity of the NFL season was right there too. 18 teams in playoff contention to the final week of the season. We saw five. We tend to see new playoff teams every year, but it didn't dip in 2020 because of a lack of an in-person offseason. That one is a touch misleading, most since 2006. Bigger playoff field, though, so more slots that that's people true. were competing for. That's true. But still good. I mean, that's what we want, teams in contention. And then the performance. 
um, look at the points scored, look at the points per game, and you see the word most in there. Now, the defense most is taking teams. a hit, but entertainment value, I don't, I don't hear players clam- or, excuse me, fans clamoring that the players aren't entertaining them enough. Uh, but here's, here's the real reason why they, I think the NFL goes for it. There's been a 30% reduction in concussions. Now, it's a bit misleading on the numbers because there's no offseason and there's no preseason games. But that's in the favor of the players and the NFL. The last five NFL seasons, there was an average of 247 concussions reported on average. Last year, 172 were reported. So that's a significant drop. Um, You have, on average, 46 concussions per year across the league in the preseason games over that slate. That's going to be reduced down to three games now, but last year, of course, we didn't see any. And there was a 23% reduction in time missed due to injury across the board. Um, not just concussions, but period. Um, Does I that think ca- count va- the preseason. It counts the preseason, no, but that's the three re- less games. But uh, but I games. think uh, but regular season time missed was average. It, you know the the discussion in the preseason was are we going to see more soft tissue injuries? Yes. Are we going to see uh, ACL problems on a rise? Dif- you know different things because of the lack of in person training. It wasn't the case. All, all of the things that we had concerns about for the start of the season out of no live OTAs and out of no preseason games didn't come to fruition. Uh, Early injuries were not up and early bad football was not up. Football was pretty good out of the gate. The case was made that the things that were missed did not kill the league. Now, the thing it hurts is clear. Uh, Rookie impact relatively slow, particularly locally, we saw it. Um, Rookie injuries, I don't know about nationally. Locally, the Titans have uh, injuries to rookies. Generally speaking, first-round picks are hurt here. Take Jeffrey Simmons out of the equation. I did a piece last year. Guys consistently injured. Darrington Evans, Christian Fulton's injury woes started during training camp last year. Uh, and rookie impact, I think, was probably lower around the league. We saw some big ones, don't get me wrong. Herbert, Jefferson, there, there were some huge Bud impact Dupree. guys. Um, who? Bud Dupree was hurt. Are you saying? Oh, yeah, I'm just talking rookies. Oh, rookies only, I'm rookies. sorry. Rookies. So, rookie yeah. impact, I think, probably wasn't as broad league-wide. And certainly, um, look, guys like Will Compton for the Titans and Darren Bates came back and had roles largely because they weren't replaced either by draft picks or by new free agents that were like they were but when they it, came to town. And they right? also because they, they also, weren't plugged in and didn't get up to speed. They also so, came back and had roles because of the 16-player expansion with the four veterans available for rotation. The Titans, just like every team in the league, played that to perfection with the rotation of how many games you can play coming off there and going back to the practice squad without being claimed, uh, how many weeks you have to stay on the active roster if you're put to the active roster instead of coming off the practice squad on game day. Bates and Compton rotated in that just enough to where they maximized both levels of that But these are the players who are hurt, conceivably, if you keep going forward the same way, are the players who would be replacing the cheaper versions of a Bates or a Compton 
who are either draft picks, ideally draft picks, yes. or a, a, the new veteran version of them. You went and got Bates as a veteran. You went and got Compton as a veteran. And you were due to replace them, if not with a rookie, with a veteran like they were when they came in. And instead of going and getting those veterans who would have gotten up to snuff during the offseason and in the preseason, you just decided, you know what, we're going to go get those guys back. And those guys aren't good enough for their roles anymore. You need to replace them this year. Seemingly they have, but you don't know if that sticks. Those are the only guys that really suffer out of this scenario. So that's a economic slash roster churn element of it. But, but I they, don't mind but, that. But I don't on. mind that if they, the football is the same, you know. But if not for that, is Will Compton out of football? If not Maybe, for the rule. Yeah, probably. So he didn't suffer at all. No, he didn't suffer, but the guy who should have gotten his job suffered. But that guy's still on a practice squad. Maybe. Well, there's 16 players, and only four can be a certain vested veteran. So that younger player can still be on a practice squad across the league. There are open yeah. spots for that guy to cling on and, yeah. and practice and, and get now, paid you know, nine grand right, a week. But now we don't know what the size of the practice squad is going to be and if they right. maintain that sure. rule. No, that's so, fair. So if they go back to something more normal practice squad-wise, that well, guy gets squeezed out. Not necessarily. A, more, a normal practice squad, Will Compton gets squeezed out. The younger guy right. will well, win well, that battle. Well, one or the other gets, gets squeezed out. So does that guy have enough time – to be seen and to get and, up uh, to Will Compton is player X for this. He's a right. veteran he's a, player He's X. our local, he, local example. He's a, he's a practice squad, uh, uh, game day roster, active player in between. Smart player, not fast enough. You know, special teams role was on the field because he was smart. If he's on the roster, But they need active. a faster replacement right. for right. him who they didn't have time to develop or find. Now, if the practice squads go back... So, so I'm saying the only downside, if things go back to somewhat normal, smaller practice squad, a little less flexibility, all of that, the only downside to not having the OTAs, to having a smaller preseason, is can that guy from the draft or as a free agent from another team get up to snuff fast enough to win that spot and be a I think the argument forward? has to be, and it, the players win on this too, um, you have to keep the practice squad size the same in order to – continue that evaluation and practice and bring that guy up, uh, the younger player. But the main rationale for that was the COVID testing and getting sure. everybody in, and that's not going to well, be the same with vaccination. For, yeah, but, but, now, um, but now that they've seen a 30% reduction in concussion without having to change a single rule, why would you not keep that in place? Yeah, that's very interesting. If they say, hey, we're going to take this back because of COVID, the players could come back and say, well, the concussions were down, and you say that's a big thing that you want on player safety. You're going to take this away and claim player safety you, you, with the 17th game? Yeah, you don't it's have to good, modify the game whatsoever. There's no equipment modification. There's no, there rule, no modification. rule modification. You just do away with certain things of the offseason, uh, which include preseason games, and you're going to see at least 50 concussions drop from the, the overall list that and you were seeing. And the quality didn't go down. Fans it, were not that's, And that's what the players are saying. About week one, two, and three. And I, I think that they're, they're, they can speak the league's language on the concussions um, and and get what they want here, too, which but, is uh, virtual offseason. Let's go a step further, Chad. So here, J.C. Treader is saying, you know, the league now is saying, okay, some of this offseason is going to open up. We're going to start virtual. Who is, let's, let's clarify, Treader is the president of the NFLPA, right. for those Plays that don't know. for the Browns. So the league is saying we're going to start virtual as we planned, but ultimately this is going to open up 
and and people are going to be able to come in at least for you know smaller stuff passing elements or maybe the linemen can work together or, or whatever and Treader is saying these are voluntary and uh and last year proved that it's not necessary we're not going to show up we're going to tell our people not to show up so uh here finally is a little leverage for the <laughs> players right First time ever. And I'm convinced, and I think Hutton has agreed with me in the past. I don't know where you stand on this. The number one reason the teams want this, uh, coaches want it for control, certainly. right? But after last season's success without it, the number one reason the league wants it is because they want the calendar. They want stories in April and May. They don't want to disappear. Yep. But, but J.C. Treader's not wrong here. Yeah, it's, it's tough to make the argument that you have to have it based on what we saw a year ago. And also, you had a team with a new quarterback win the Super Bowl <laughs> that was putting a lot of new pieces together. So your point, Paul, about it's tougher. Got, the impact on rookies, it's more difficult to get that impact. They got them. together and practiced. Yes. Now, that's part of it also. Probably some illegal practicing that went on. But you, you see my point. The team that won it all is a team with a lot of new parts. Got it together. Breaking in a new quarterback. Even if that quarterback's Tom Brady, they were breaking in a new quarterback. That's another one in the column of – you can shorten the preseason and be fine. I think they need to reevaluate the offseason. And I do think the other sports have offseasons that are offseasons. Treader says that as well. We're the only sport. You know, we're the most lucrative sport. We have the toughest season. And, and we have the most expectations of us in the offseason. Coming up, the latest with the Preds as we get to the NHL trade deadline, which is today. Uh, they, they won another game in overtime in the shootout, uh, a, a big game for their overall playoff hopes against the Dallas Stars. Under six and a half goals in that game. By ah, that, I smell a winner then <laughs> if, if Paul is bringing this up. And there is another local player that has declared for the NBA draft. That and more next on the Tennessee Power Hour, Outkick 360. Rapid Fire segment, OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee, here at Blackbird Studio and the Blackbird Academy. If you are passionate about audio, uh, sound engineering, if you want to go to school for this, where you can work on the road, say, at a live concert, uh, sporting event, if you want to uh, work in a state-of-the-art studio like Blackbird, you can do so by visiting the website theblackbirdacademy.com for more information on what uh, John and Martina McBride and the whole cast and crew here are doing so well right here in the mid-state. Scottie Pippen Jr. has declared for the NBA draft. He has not hired an agent, which means he can test the waters and come back, but uh, quite the player and Vanderbilt's best player testing the waters for the association. You know, five, ten years ago, I'd say he doesn't have a chance of getting drafted being six feet tall and the type of player he is. But you see the way the NBA has gone now with outside shooting, I think he's got a great chance uh, of being drafted and a good decision to not hire an agent. I like that. Because that, that gives you the chance to come back if you're not the pick that you think you're going to be or not drafted at all. I think he's going to get drafted. I think he's going to be gone. That certainly looked like a farewell message to Vanderbilt yeah. and that he's eventually going to go either way. But the fact that he didn't hire an agent gives him the flexibility to come back if needed. So if you're a low second rounder, say, and it's to a team maybe that you're not enamored with their situation or, or whatever, and you come back, 
uh, to Vandy. Does the NBA team lose your rights entirely? Have they just wasted it? I don't know, but I, I don't think that would be the case. I think if he gets drafted, he's He'll gone. Go. Yeah. I think the coming back would be if didn't get drafted and I don't like my free agent options, options. right now, so I'm coming back. That would be the only chance that I would think. I don't think anyone, if you enter the draft, even if you don't retain an agent and you're drafted, you're going. Whether it's first or second round, you're going. Grab an agent and go. Chad, there was an open practice for the Vols this weekend. What's the best thing you heard coming out of that practice? Well, I saw some highlights from him. The best thing I saw was Hendon Hooker's size. Uh, he looks like Cam Newton physically. Well, I, his I, was, mobility. I was amazed. I saw some of his rolls to the left. Yeah, I was amazed by his uh, just a lot bigger guy than I expected out there uh, wearing the number five. And, yes, uh, there were some people joking on a text chain that said, oh, look at that, that newfound <laughs> football strategy called a rollout. It's amazing. I didn't know that was, that was allowed in football where he uh, faked a handoff, rolled to his left for a touchdown pass. I think you saw the same highlight, Hutton. So got to see a little bit of what the offense will look like under Josh Heupel. Can't really take a lot away from it. I saw the long, long snapper, Will Albright. I saw one still photo where he was lined up at linebacker starting, and I'm thinking that's, that's not a great sign. Big yeah. chance for him. Not a great sign. Uh, as we wrap up today, the NHL trade deadline, we have had the discussion on this show over the last couple of weeks. Can you do both? Can you plan for the future while also stay in contention for the postseason? That decision is going to be made officially today by the Predators if they decide to sell some key pieces or a key piece in order to plan for the NHL draft to acquire assets down the road while also staying in playoff contention, which they are in right now, the postseason. Another big win last night in the shootout uh, where they're nearly perfect in shootouts this season. Uh, great job by Soros and the, the Preds and what was a physical game. They always are against Dallas. Those are fun to watch. Uh, but they go one for one over the weekend and a big one last night occurred with the win over the Stars with the team that's trying to chase them. Three games in hand for the Stars, something to watch. So they're comfortably, they're six points ahead. Mm -hmm. But I look at that and think, well, those three games. Yeah, right. <laughs> if they were to win those three games, they could easily catch up. So key, obviously, right now for the Preds, keep winning. Keep it at this clip, and you're going to be just fine for you that You hope they stay put? Spot. I hope they keep, uh, well, uh, no, you know. Uh, no, I, I'm uh, fine with them making a move uh, if it helps the future. Because yeah. I don't know how valuable a first round getting swept as the final seed really is for this time. I don't know. Are they getting swept anymore, though? I mean, they're playing great. They've been really good. They're getting swept by those top teams. <clears throat> There's reason The way for they optimism. played against Tampa Bay Saturday uh, yeah. is the way yes. they're going to look against the top well, teams. Uh, I don't know. I think, like Hutton is saying, there is a way to find uh, for the right a price. trade. For the right price. Right. A trade that helps no you restock your your – your, your farm system, restock yes. your draft picks, and still potentially go into the playoffs and be one of those hot teams that makes the seedings less relevant uh, and gives yourself a chance to, to go around and not spend your post-game conversations talking about puck luck. I agree. Oh, puck luck. On yeah. the puck luck. And if it's just about puck luck, what difference does it matter anyway? We do not rely, <laughs> throw it, we do yeah, not rely on puck luck on this show. No, we do we not. We'll never use no, that as an excuse. We make our own luck. Uh, shout out to Lance and Jakob uh, for making the show happen behind the scenes. Give yourselves and, a little video uh, yeah. applause. Let's see you. Yeah, David reads off. I to love the, the way they lean in. It's so behind Jacob there. David, uh, you don't get to be seen. Becca, at all. thank you. you. Find out. Appreciate seconds. you, Cody. Hit the podcast. We we have been thrilled with the numbers on the podcast. 
Uh, we hope that you'll share the podcast with friends we and family as we try to build the overall uh, podcast filter for how we can distribute the show after we're done each day. Hope you'll join us tomorrow starting at noon Eastern right here on OutKick 360. Do not block the box and please, please lock the locks.